Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Student of the Gun University, a place for education and enlightenment. We help you gain a new perspective and understanding of firearms training. Your teacher today will be Professor Paul Markle, a veteran small arms and tactics instructor with 30 years of knowledge and experience. Grab your number two pencil, turn to page one, and let the learning begin. All right, thank you very much, and it is time, of course, once again for another Student of the Gun University podcast. Today, we're going to talk about training in the heat. Yes, indeed, it's hot out, and it's going to continue to be hot. In some places, in the south, it's going to continue to be hot until October. Uh, Some places in the uh, west, it's going to continue to be hot and dry. Sometimes, we've got to get out, and we need to train in the heat, and... How do we do that? How do we successfully train in the heat? How do we train in the heat so that the heat isn't detracting any more than it has to from our training experience? Well, the best way to do that is to prepare. Yes, indeed. I know you're shocked. You're like, what? Prepare for the heat? Yes, indeed. How can I prepare for the heat? Well, number one, make sure that you consume plenty of water on a regular basis and don't think, well, I'm going to drink lots of water when it gets hot because you're going to be behind the eight ball, you're going to be profusely sweating, or you're going to run out of sweat, and you're going to be in trouble. Many, many moons ago, I mean, I mean, like over 30 years ago when I was a young man on Paris Island, South Carolina, I went to Paris Island in the summer. I got there. I think it was the end of April, the very end of April or the beginning of May. So I was there for May and June and July. I graduated, I think it was the end of July. So needless to say, in South Carolina in June and July, it's hot. And on Paris Island, which is essentially a kind of a peninsula, it's not really an island island, it's a peninsula, you can drive onto it. But it's right in the middle of a brackish swamp. So to say that the humidity is high is fair. One of the uh, tricks or techniques that our drill instructors would make us do when it was going to be crazy, insane hot the next day, they would look at the weather forecast. And before we would go to bed at night, they would make us all stand online and drink an entire canteen of water. But maybe I'm not thirsty. (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay that's, yeah funny but maybe you weren't thirsty no and the reason that they did that was because they knew that if we waited if they waited for us or if we waited until we got thirsty to start drinking then we were already going to be behind the eight ball we were gonna and if you are thirsty you're already behind you're starting to get dehydrated If you feel thirsty, if your mouth is dry and so on and so forth, you're already behind and you need to catch up and you need to consume water. So when you go to the range in the summer, when you're going to do training in the summer, make sure that you take more water than you think you're going to need and make sure that you're consuming water previously, the day before and the day before and the day before. Uh, don't just drink coffee and beer and, and so on and so forth and think, well, um, I'm going to you know drink my beer and my coffee now, but when it gets hot, then I'll start drinking water. No, that's not the right time to do it. So you want to preload. You want to prehydrate. Yes. 
you know, the, the, with the runners, they carb a load, right? Well, you want to hydro load. You want to get hydro loaded before the day before the night before you're going to be out in the heat. Make sure that you do that. And when it comes to drinking, it is good to drink water. Now you don't want to be drinking Coke or Mountain Dew or, and you don't want to drink, um, the traditional, off-the-shelf stuff like Gatorades. Uh, a lot of the Gatorades and the Power Aids and the This Aids and That Aids, all these aids, uh, the standard ones have high fructose corn syrup in them and red number five and all this garbage. They're, yes, they do have some good stuff, but they also have a lot of garbage in them as well. You want to stay away from that stuff. Uh, if you're going to do the the power aids or whatever, do light, do the ones that aren't filled with high fructose corn syrup. Uh, and uh, the other thing you can do is you can get these little packets of um, additives. They're little powdered packets. One, there's a company called Liquid IV, and it's it's a little packet, packet, and it has sodium and potassium and electrolytes because that's what a body craves, right? A body craves electrolytes. It has electrolytes. You pour that in a 16-ounce bottle of water or a canteen of water, shake, shake, shake it up, and drink it. Um, the reason we want to do that, well, it should be obvious, but part of the problem of heat exhaustion or heat illnesses uh, if you sweat profusely, especially if you are a heavy salt sweater, I know when I say, you say salt sweater, people think like something your grandma knitted or whatever. No, uh, if you're one of the guys that takes off their their t-shirt in in the evening uh, after being out in the hot hot sun, sun, uh, and they're white sweat rings, salt rings. We call them sweat rings, but they're salt. It's dried up salt in your armpits or around your collar. If you're one of those people that is a heavy salt sweater, um, you need to make sure that you're replacing your sodium and potassium, your plasma sodium, because there is a heat illness called hyponatremia. Hyponatremia is a critical shortage or a critical loss of plasma sodium. And the scary thing or the dangerous thing about hyponatremia is the symptoms for hyponatremia and the symptoms for heat exhaustion are very similar. Dizziness, headache, nausea, um, and so forth. Both of those, hyponatremia and heat exhaustion, are the same. But the thing is, with hyponatremia, you have enough water in your system. You don't have enough plasma sodium in your system. And so if you keep drinking water and you keep diluting your plasma, what will happen was, well, you could die. It could kill you. Hyponatremia can kill you if it's not treated properly. So you can't just drink water. And a lot of people will have hyponatremia thinking they're like, man, I've been drinking water all day. I don't know why I feel like this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I had a headache and I feel sick and, and I'm sweating like crazy, but I've been drinking water. I've been drinking water. Why is this happening to me? Well, you feel like that, not because you, you don't have heat exhaustion. You have hyponatremia and you have, you're at a critical shortage or a critical loss of plasma sodium and you need electrolytes. You need saline. Now, the, the good news is if you go down, like whammo, pass out, 
and they call the paramedics, the paramedics aren't going to push water into you. What are they going to put? They're going to put saline IV. They're going to hit you with a saline IV. So even if they thought, oh, he's passed out, he went down because of heat exhaustion or heat stroke, and it was actually hyponatremia, it's okay. Uh, Well, if they give you the saline solution, because bam, now you have plasma sodium again. Now, the trick is, if you think, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm going to go lay down, I don't feel good, Uh, you know, I'm having heat exhaustion, and I'm going to go lay down, I'm going to go lay down in the shade, I'm going to sip water and lay down in the shade. Well, if you keep sipping water and lay down in the shade, and you don't replenish your plasma sodium, you can die, and people have died from hyponatremia. So we need to understand uh, that there are different types of heat-related illnesses, and the scary thing is that heat exhaustion and hyponatremia look very similar. Now, heat stroke, it, people who have a, are having heat stroke need to go to the hospital, the, B, the battalion aid station. They need to go to where there are professionals. They need to get cooled down. They need to get IVs in them, and they need to do it now. Um, heat exhaustion is clammy, white, pale, white, clammy skin, massive sweating. Heat stroke is hot, red, dry skin. The body no longer has the ability to sweat. The temperature rises to an extremely dangerous level, and it can literally fry your brain. Uh, And you can get permanent brain damage and or death from heat strokes. We don't screw around with that. And the, the reason I tell you all this is because if you hydrate properly, and if you have things like I said, the liquid IV and the, the electrolyte powders and stuff to mix in your water, you're less likely to have to deal with these things in the heat of the summer. Now, that's, that stuff may or may not be obvious, but make sure you have more water than you think you're going to need. You know, if you say, well, I mean, I never drink more than a gallon of water a day. Yeah, but have you ever been to Camden, Tennessee in August or Biloxi, Mississippi in July? You're going to drink a gallon of water easily in a day. Well, uh, other things, some, I don't know what it is about the younger generation or there's certain people in our, in the younger generations that don't wear hats. They don't like to wear hats or they say, Oh, if I put a hat on, it makes my head hot, it makes my head uncomfortable. It makes my head hot. Here's the deal. If the sun's out, you need to put something between the sun and your brain, okay? You need to shield. You're like, yeah, my hair. No, doesn't count. You need to put something on top of your head to protect it, to shield it from the sun. You don't want the sun baking down right directly onto your head, Uh, whether it's a green hat or a tan hat or a black hat. I don't care. But you need to put something on your noggin, and you need to plan to have a hat on your noggin. And I don't know what it is with young people, but you know, I encounter these young people like, oh, I'm not a hat wearer. I don't wear hats. I'm like, uh, okay, well, it's hot, and the sun's going to break, is going to bake your brain. So put a freaking hat on. Uh, most schools, like our school, you have to have a hat. It's a safety thing. Uh, you have to have, wear a hat with a bill and if you're going to be on our live fire range, uh, and you don't, you don't get a choice. If you're going to be on a live fire range, you need to wear a hat with a bill, and that's it. Um, but some places don't. But wear a freaking hat. Uh, Shemog, 
or a cravat or something to wipe the sweat off of your face off of the or to put on the back of your neck to keep the sweat or the sun from baking the back of your neck um, is always a good thing to have or you can use a shemag as, as an impromptu shade you can take your hat off and you can just drape the rag over the top of your head and um, use that to protect your noggin but a shemag uh, i've been using the shemags for i don't know 15 16 Ever since being a GWAT, since I discovered it at the beginning of GWAT. Yeah. And before that, way back in the olden times during the Cold War, we just used the the olive drab green cravats that came in our medical kits, you know, the, a la, you know, the Vietnam at war and platoon and stuff like that. That's what we used when I was in when I was young. And then we got these really cool, slick things called shemags, and they're even better. Um Sunscreen, it should be an obvious one. Lip balm is an obvious one. You want to keep your lips from burning and getting chapped. You want to keep yourself from getting a sunburn because if you have a two- or a three-day class and you get sunburned on day one, you're going to have a pretty miserable time on day two and day three. And besides the fact that when you get sunburned, uh, that is your what, – what is the largest organ on your body? Haha, <laughs> What is it? It's your skin. Your skin is the largest organ on your body. And if your skin is burned and bothering you, that can also lead to heat-related illnesses. So you don't want that either. So my advice, should we train in the summertime when it's hot? Yes, you should. You should train in the summertime when it's hot. Um, because sometimes in the real world, it's going to be hot. I think, you know, years and years and years ago, I was, with the, I was with the unit and they're like, oh, it's really hot. We need to let the let the, the troops not wear their, their body armor and let the troops not wear their helmets to train. I was like, yeah, but, you know, we're going to go ahead and send them over to places where it's really hot in the really real world, and they're going to have to wear their black jackets and body armor, and they're going to have to wear their helmets over there on the other side of the world where it's hot. So they probably should just figure out how to get used to being hot, how to deal with it. That's all right. How do you deal with it? How do you learn to deal with the heat? You train in the heat. Yeah, so I've trained in the, I've been in the desert. I've been in the jungle. I've been to Camden, Tennessee in the summertime. And I've been to Biloxi, Mississippi, which is like in the summertime. It's, it's like freaking the Philippines it is hot and humid and just miserable. And you learn to deal with it and uh, you can deal with it. Just make sure that you hydrate properly, that you understand the warning symptoms uh, for, uh, heat-related illnesses like heat cramps and hyponatremia and heat exhaustion and so forth. And then just be smart. Have protective gear. Uh, have protective stuff to protect your head, protect your skin, uh, and so forth. And if you do all that, you should have a good time even though it's hot outside. All right, that is it. That is my uh, student of the gun homeroom, or not homeroom, student of the gun university uh, for today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't, uh, go ahead and send a self-addressed stamped envelope to P.O. Box 405 Boulder, Colorado for a complete refund of today's purchase price. I am your host, Paul Markle. Talk to you again real soon. 
Thanks for joining us today. We are big fans of the value for value model. Please go to SOTGU.com to contribute the amount that best fits the value that you got out of this lesson. It could be $5 or $5 million. By contributing, you will help the show grow and assist in the education of your peers. And remember, you are a beginner once, a student for life.